Good morning, everyone. Hope you have a wonderful day. We continue. We left off Tainus, the first chapter, page five A, the mission. So, okay, the mission at most I shall. This mission was already quoted earlier in the Gemara. Till when do you ask for rain? Request rain? Till Pesach passes. Rabbeir says, Ad Nisan. Till the end of Nisan. Shnemet says. Because it says, it says in the Pasuk, in Yoel, so we see that Nisan is a good time for rain. And that's why we continue asking for rain till the end of the month of Nisan. It's a mayor's opinion. What's your rain? The early rain, the late rain. Oh. Mm-hmm. Rains come in the, in the fall and in the winter. But here there was a drought. And Hashem gave all the rain in the, in the month of, of Nisan. He promised the month of Nisan after the drought, He's going to give all the rain. It was a, a hunger for seven years. Hmm. And then the grasshoppers came, you know, and ate, ate all whatever was left. And then, and then this was afterwards, Hashem promised it's going to be rain. Okay. Hmm. How could you call Yeda the rain that comes in this? And Yeda is the early rain that comes in Cheshvan, in the fall. And we learned... We're going to learn later on that Yedas and Cheshven and Malkish is the late rain. Comes in this in Amalei Hochem Rabbeach. This is what Rabbi Yechon said. This, this is happened, this Pasuk happened in the times, in the age of Yoel. That the grasshoppers ate Whatever was left over in the field, whatever the the, the gazem left, the arba ate, and whatever the arba left, the yellow ate, and whatever the yellow ate, the chosel, all different names of different grasshoppers, hmm. four different types of grasshoppers. They're going to destroy everything, and this is referring to the seven years of hunger. This was in the days of Yehoram, the son of Achav. And so, so Yehoram prophesies that after this hunger, there won't be any, anything left to eat. Then Hashem will bring the rain, murder Malkish. So by Yitzhashonah, that year, Yatza Adar, not only wasn't there rain in Cheshvan, it was already Adar, and still there wasn't a drop of rain. That's why they didn't plow, they didn't sow, sow, plant the seeds. There was no rain. So the first rain came on Rishchidosh Nisan. Navi said to the Jewish people, Now go and plant. Now, now plant the seeds. The, the, the hunger is over. 
Now Hashem is, is sending rain. And now the, the earth will grow. It will grow the seeds. What option are you giving us? If all we have left in storage, we have one measurement or two small measurements of, of barley. Are we going to eat it and live? Or are we going to sow it in the ground and then have faith? After seven years hunger, suddenly we're going to have faith and the seed is going to rot. So not only won't we eat it, we're not going to have the seed, we're going to end up with nothing. At least let us eat what we have. You're telling us to, to have faith and put it into the ground and allow it to rot. We should better eat it than, than, than plant it. Is it of You're asking us to plant it and to die in hunger. I'm telling you, go ahead, have faith. Plant it and you'll see what happens. So they did. They believed the Navi. They trusted the Navi. And a miracle happened. So they took everything they had, the little that they had left over, and they planted it in the ground. Now, they were, now it was empty. The cupboards were empty. There was nothing left. So what are they going to eat? Because even if it's going to grow, it takes time till you grow. And he said, trust me. Go ahead and do this. That's real trust. So what happened? And the miracle happened that the, the, uh, they found the grain that the mice, <laughs> the mice hoarded behind the walls. And also what the bug, what the bugs were collecting the grain, so it was revealed to them. So they went and they planted the second day and the third day and the fourth day of Nisan. And the second rain then came on the fifth day of Nisan. And it grew so quickly till they were able to bring, to offer the Oymet offering, to bring the, the, new, the new barley and offer it in the temple. So that's what it says. Hashem made up for all the seven years of hunger, for this terrible hunger with the locusts ate up everything and the four different type of locusts destroyed and destroyed everything and he made up for it in that rain so first you had the early rain under and then you had the next rain five days later and meanwhile they planted she says that they planted that's a sign of faith they planted what they had so they, were, they were left with nothing the miracle was Hashem revealed to them so they were able to eat the next few days until it grows, until the new grain grows, they didn't die. Anyway, you're not allowed to eat from the new grain until, until the 16th, until the Oymr. But they, so that was the miracle. They showed faith, that was the miracle. I think the, faith, the miracle was that they found the grain. The miracle was the Jewish people had so much faith after seven years of hunger and all they had was a little drop. And yet they trusted the Navi. The Rebbe said, go. They did it. No questions asked. How are we going to feed ourselves, our families? There's nothing left. We're going to die. They said, we're going to die. He said, listen to me. That's what created the, that triggered the miracle. You have the faith, that triggered the miracle. So what, so what, do we, what happened? Uh, grain, which usually takes six months to grow, from Cheshun till Nisan, grew in 11 days <laughs> on the 5th day the 2nd rain and it grew in 11 days 
at mitvush or shishah hadashin kadeh mitvush al achadasayim. Usually, they would bring the new grain in, your, in the temple on the sixteenth of Nisan. Grain that takes six months to grow. Here it grew in eleven days. And that generation it says, "Azaydum bedima." Those who sow in bl- in, with, with tears will harvest with joy. They go and they cry and they carry the bundles of Hazara. They carry the, the bundle of the bundle of seeds. They were planting, they were crying because they had nothing to eat. They were, they were planting the last, they were investing the last penny. <laughs> it's like really putting everything on the line. They put everything on the line. There's no plan B. This is it. There's no backup plan. They put everything on the line. They were crying. At the end of the day, they were able to walk away with the bundles and they were able to harvest with tremendous salt. So, so now he explains. What? No, he already said it. That they planted in tears. Why? He's not repeating himself. So what is he referring to? Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda says he's referring to the axe that they use to plow. Even the, the, the axe was crying. Not only the people, the owner was crying. The axe, the axe had nothing to eat. He was so hungry that he had nothing. Animals cried. They cried. They were in pain. <laughs> when he comes back from the plowing, already oichel chazes. He already had. It was already something to eat. Already something grew very quickly. That he was, which in the beginning only an animal could eat. It's not edible for humans, but the animals already had to eat. And not tell them from the row, the row that he planted on the way back. It, it grew so quickly that it already had to eat. He stopped crying. That's when what it says. When did this happen? This is what happened in times of Yoel. Yoel. But this is from Sam. He's saying that he's referring to the, what happened in the time of Yoel. That they, 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 they had such faith and they, they planted, they were crying because they had nothing, they had nothing, nothing to eat. They were taking the last grain from their mouth, out of the mouth of their babies. And we're putting it into the ground to rot. When they return, they're already bedina. They're already singing. The, 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 the oxen already had what to eat. They no longer were crying. They were actually singing. Another way the Gemara explains the pasuk: My You already said. You already said earlier in the verse. They're going to harvest with songs. So what's it referring to? They carry their bundles. We learn that another miracle happened to them. That what? That Kana Zedis. The Kana, the stalk, was as big as a Zedis, which is a half an amma. Which is three tvachim, which is like nine inches. But the the, the shibailis, the whole stalk was doubled in the kan. Was the rasayim like a whole am? Yeah. 
usually the kana goes above the shibailis. I'm saying no. The stick that that had that carries the shibailis, the stalk, is three or four times bigger than the shibailis. But in this case, it was so blessed that the kana was the size of a half an amma, and this is a shibailis was twice as much. Okay, how this stalk is what comes out of the ground, and on top of it, you have the ear of grain. So usually the stalk is three or four times the size of the ear of grain. Here, the stalk was at half an amma, and the ear of grain was double. It was two stems. It was two stems. It was the exact opposite. It was so blessed. So that's what you mean. Nice and Meshachazar referring to another miracle. Another question the Gemara says, I'm going see what it says in the past. Kikora, it says in Kings, that Elisha, in the times of Yehudim, the son of Acha, which was the time of the, of the famine, Kikora, Hashem, Hashem called, invited the Rav, the hunger. And the hunger lasted for seven years. What did they eat? That was his question. He asked, what did the Jewish people eat for those seven years? This is what Rabbi Yechner said. First year, they still had storage. They ate what was left over in the house. The second year, there was nothing left to eat in the house. What was outside, what they left in the field. They found things that grew grew on its own in the fields. Shlishis, the third year, there was nothing left in the house and nothing in the field. They ate basar They ate animals. They slaughtered all the kosher animals. The is even the vegetarians had nothing else to eat but the animals. The is the fourth year, there wasn't even any kosher animals left. Basar they had no choice. During the war, people had to eat horses, they ate dead dog, whatever they could find. It was life and death. There was nothing to eat. It sounds In the fifth year, even though it was so disgusting, they ate all the crawling, creeping things from the ground. Bugs and the, the mice and everything. Shishis, the sixth year... They became cannibals. They ate their own sons and daughters. They started eating themselves. Biting into their own flesh. Seven years of hunger. We can't even imagine. We don't know what hunger means. We don't, we, don't, we don't even know what hunger means. Thank God. Yeah. You know what it means? Seven years hunger. You know what hunger is? You have nothing to eat. You're starving. You can't even imagine. Thank God. We'll never know. We don't know what hunger is. What real hunger is. Each bizarre bizarre in the concentration camps was real hunger. You know? Yeah. To fulfill what it says in the Pasuk. Isaiah said that you're going to eat you're going to eat your own your own your own flesh he has four other questions of Nachman that's Rabbi Yitzchak it says what does it mean because you're holy that you're, you're acting holy I'm not coming in the city in the country that should invite Hashem to come in this is how Rabbi Yechon explained the passage 
I will not enter into the Jerusalem above because everything in this universe is a parallel universe. Everything in the physical world is a parallel spiritual world. The Yerushalayim Shalmata, there's a parallel Jerusalem above. Hashem says, I'm not entering the city above. Until I come, I will enter into the city here below. That's what the Pasuk means. Until the Kirbech HaKadosh. I'm not going to come, I'm not going to come to the city above until until there's holiness in Jerusalem down here. Is there Jerusalem in Maila? He says, yeah. Imara says, yes. In. See if it says in Tehillim, Yerushalayim Abnuya. The Yerushalayim that's built, that Yerushalayim will build, be built like a different city, which is parallel to it. So we know that there's another Yerushalayim. Like another city that's attached to it, like a, a, a twin city, a twin city. What's the twin city? It's a city, Lamaila, city in heaven, Yerushalayim Shalmaila. Bamale, another question. The thing I'm not going to say, it says in Jeremiah, Bach, Asifadru, Yixalum, Musur, Avolimates. That the Jewish people are like are like uh, clothes, like a like a like of wood, right? Yiveru v'yichselu muser havolim eitz, right? Havolim eitz eitzu. They're like a piece of wood, a block of wood that nothing penetrates, nothing gets through. So there's no point in punishing them because they won't understand it. They won't learn the lesson. The question is, what do you mean, the only foolish in one area? There's only one sin? There's one sin, if they do one sin, then they're foolish. Only one sin? Any sin that you sin, you're foolish. You call the fool. So I'm going to answer this. How do you explain the pasuk? There's one sin. Manu, which sin is that? Avedazara, the sin of idolatry. Wow. That there's one sin that the wicked ones are going to burn in hell for that. What's the single one sin? That's the sin of idolatry. And that's what he concludes in the Pasuk, Musr Havolim Eitzhu. They worship a, a block of wood, they worship an idol. And it's nonsense. So whoever worships an idol will burn like a fire. Yivadru. Like a, like a wood that will burn, that burns from fire. It's referring to idolatry, because it says, it says over there in Jeremiah, it's nonsense. So we see idolatry is called nonsense, hevel. So when he says here, hevel is referring to idolatry. There's one sin that's the equivalent to all the other sins. If you worship idols, it's equivalent to all the other sins. If you think of idolatry, you can do all 600 mitzvahs. You can be religious and pious. You think of idolatry, it's the equivalent of you violated the whole entire Torah. So there's one sin that, it's as if you violated the entire Torah. Even though any sin, you go, any sin you do, you go to hell. You burn in hell. But here, since it's the equivalent of the entire Torah, and the opposite of idolatry. If you believe in, in Hashem, that's the pillar, the foundation, that's the equivalent of the entire Torah. If you're fulfilling the entire Torah, so this is the one sin that causes you to be destroyed. You destroy yourself, you ruin yourself, you destroy yourself with that single, 
single sin. Another question of Nachman asked Rabbi Yitzchak. I'm learning Nachman Rabbi Yitzchak. My dear, what's the meaning of the verse in Jeremiah? Kishtayim roes asami. That they did two terrible things. Only two sins. That's all they did. But they violated all 24 books in the Torah, not just two. Everything else was forgiven for them? Only two sins were not forgiven? Here's how interpreted the verse. Achas, we're talking about what we continue on side B, 5B. Achas is One sin is the equivalent of two. Mind you, which sin is that referring to? That they did a double sin. Number one, they abandoned me. I'm the source of life, of living water. They abandoned me. To dig wells that are broken. Actually, a chilo of mine that can't can't contain the water. So there's two there's two evils. Firstly, you're abandoning Hashem, and you're embracing Hashem, which is the true source of life, and you're embracing death, death, yeah, idolatry, which is nonsense, which is like broken. There's nothing there. There's no water there. It's broken, broken, yeah. And also it says in that prophecy, they learn from the Goyim. No, you're saying learn from the Goyim. Goyim don't, don't, uh, don't rebel against their God. So go yourself, go travel to the islands of Kitim, which is nearby, and see how the Goyim are faithful to their gods. Uh-huh. Send agents, send emissaries, messengers to Ruvikader, to the Arab nations that are far away, distant, and find out what, what's their custom. Do they do? Do they abandon their tradition? And like the Jewish people so quickly abandon their tradition? Does, do the nations abandon their gods and their gods are not really gods it's nonsense it's all idols but nevertheless they're faithful and they're traditional and you abandon your living god the real god the true god for something that's nonsense you're worse than the Goyim when the Jew falls he's much lower than the guy. a guy would never do, behave that way and a Jew abandons his living god for, for, for nonsense while the Goyim are respectful of their tradition we learn Kutim, Kitim, Evdim Laish. Kitim worship fire. The Kadorim, Evdim Lamayim. The Kadorim, they worship water. Even though they know Shamayim, even though they know that water extinguishes fire. So you're worshiping fire. How could you worship fire? It's like a joke. Fire is God. The fire was God. How can water extinguish fire? Nevertheless, lay meters even though it's logically ridiculous, you turn the fire into a god when the water could extinguish it. But nevertheless, they don't abandon their faith. They have respect, reverence for their faith. So that's what Hashem is saying. That's why He's saying you did a double sin, a double error. Because you should have learned from your neighbors, from the goyim around you and the goyim more far away, who don't. Don't uh, abandon their traditions to f- serve after idols. 
and they don't abandon their traditions to go to even to upgrade from worshiping uh, 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 fire water to worshiping God. No, I'm, I have to respect my traditions. So not only you abandon your traditions, you also went to downgrade. You abandon Hashem, who's the true God, and you abandon it for nonsense for idolatry. <coughs> So you abandoned the living water. Hashem was the living water, and you went to a broken, uh, broken well that has no water, and you didn't learn from your neighbors. Ami Hamir Kavodi, they abandoned, they gave up my honor. Below Yoyil, something that doesn't help. Another question of Nachum Nasav Yitzchak. Amri Le'Adis said of Nachum Nasav Yitzchak. It says in Shmuel and Samuel, Shmuel was older. Shmuel was older. He passed away, he was 52 years old. What do you mean when Shmuel got older? 52 is old? 52 is a spring chicken. What's 52? Are you kidding me? Shmuel got old, 52. If someone dies 52 years, so it's not Kadis. Kadis is 60 years, 52 years, because Shmuel died and he was 52 years. By the way, that's the meaning instead of blood. We say in Agada, the Mishnah, Blossom and Azaria says, I was 18 years old. I am like 70 years old. And I couldn't figure out what's the source that you read the Shema, you mention the Exodus from Egypt at night. She said, why is 70 years old? Because he was 18 years old when he became the leader of the Jewish Supreme Court. And his hair turned white. He looked like, looked like a 70-year-old. But, but, but the question is, I mean, the reason why he resisted and people resisted because an 18-year-old should be the leader of the Jewish Supreme Court what he died is here white. I mean, you can you can buy a white beard also. That wasn't the issue that you hear is black or white. The issue is you don't have the wisdom and the maturity and experience. So how did what did the miracle do? A miracle overnight he turned white. Abulazah ben Azaria. We say in the beginning of that God. So the answer is because he was a reincarnation of Shmuel the prophet. Shmuel the prophet passed away at 52 years old. 52 plus 18 is 70. That's what he's saying. Hashem was revealing to everyone. Why was he worthy of being the head of the Jew, the head of the Jewish people at 18 years old, such a tender age? Because while he was young in age, his soul was an old soul. He had the wisdom and the maturity and the experience of a 70-year-old because it was Shmuel Anabi's life, 52 years, plus another 18. So he was like a 70-year-old. Hashem just made the symptom, was just a symptom revealing and showing everyone that he was truly a 70-year-old in, in wisdom. Shmuel was old. This is Rabbi Yechnan said. He grew old. He grew old early. He was young and yet he became old. it says, He regretted that he coronated Shaul as the first Jewish king. He said before Hashem made the equivalent of Shmuel was equivalent to Moshe and Aaron. He was so great in prophecy that he was the equivalent of Moshe and Aaron combined. The Chiv it says in Psalm Moshe and Aaron in their in their work and Shmuel is the equivalent of Moshe and Aaron. So I shouldn't be less than Moshe and Aaron. 
whatever they built lasted. The Mishkan lasted. Anything that Moshe touched lasted, at least in his lifetime. I coronated the soul as a king, and here and here is taken away within a year. Like a, his whole kingdom was for two years. What should I do? I don't have a choice. Should he die? Like a Shavik Shmuel, Shmuel won't allow him to die. He won't allow him. He's going to daven. If to make him. Shmuel, maybe Shmuel should die. So that will allow me to take away Shaul. So in his lifetime, he won't have to see anything happen to Shaul. In his lifetime, his handiwork will last. So Adazuter, since Shmuel is very young, people will say, why did he die so young? Such a holy person. Died so young. Maybe he's not so holy. People will speak badly about it. Shaul shouldn't die. The guy, and Loy Lima Shmuel, Shaul shouldn't die, and Shmuel shouldn't die. I should wait till Shaul dies before I take away the kingdom from 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 Shaul. I can't do it. The time has come for the kingdom of David. Once your time comes, you can't even enter, even like a hair breath, uh, into the kingdom, the reign of the other person. You can't have two kings at the same time. That's why Hashem said that he made him very old. So when he dies, people will say he died because of his age. Even though he was only 52, but he looked older. So people will say that's why he died young. And he died, Hashem took him away early. He really could have lived a lot longer. But because he didn't want the kingdom of Shaul should be taken away in his lifetime. But he has no choice. It's time for David's kingdom. And he can't even enter a second into David's kingdom. Shaul's kingdom can't enter a second of kingdom. So the only answer is to take away Shmuel early. But people shouldn't speak. So that's why he made him old. Hashem, Hashem shortened. The only answer is Hashem shortened Shaul, Shmuel's life. He died young, 52. But people shouldn't say that he died young and say something was wrong with him. He was healthy and suddenly he dies. Maybe he wasn't such a savvy. He made him look very old and people say, oh, it's natural. Yeah, exactly, natural. It doesn't count. It's the actual malucha. The actual malucha. Ein shnei malachim, because he did anoint him when he was still alive. And he says, Ein shnei malachim, shtamshim means practically being a king. So when the time for David came for David to lead, to be the actual king, not just potential king, the actual king, that moment, Shaul's kingdom couldn't extend for a second longer and, and take away from David's kingdom. I know they'll see this, what it says in the Pasuk, in Shmuel, the Shaul Yeshu Begiva, Tachas HaEshel Berama, Shaul was sitting in Giva under the tree in Rama. Reminding Giva to Rama, what's Giva and Rama, two separate places. So was he sitting under the in, in the Rama? Was he sitting in Giva? Hmm. Giva was where Shaul was. Giva was in the tribe of Benjamin. Shaul was a Benjaminite. Rama is the place of Shmuel in the Mount Ephraim. Hmm. 
So where was Shaul sitting? Ella Lemelas comes to teach us, and me got him Lashaul. What caused Shaul to, to be a king for two years? Or Mechs two and a half years? Philosophical Shmuel at Amasi was sitting in Ramah. It was Shmuel davening, who wouldn't let Shaul die. Hashem wanted Shaul to die because he was upset at him. But it was the davening of Shmuel, it was in Ramah that kept Shmuel, Shmuel davening in Ramah that kept Shaul alive in, 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 in Giva for, for two and a half years. Is it possible that a person's life should be pushed off for another person's life? Shmuel died early because Hashem had no choice. So because Hashem wanted to take Shaul, and because Hashem wouldn't, Shmuel wouldn't allow Hashem to take Shaul's life because he would daven for him. So Hashem had no choice but to take Shmuel's life early. Does Hashem take one person's life early so it shouldn't affect another person's life? Hashem, there's no such thing. Unintended consequence. Everything that happens to you is directly connected to you. Not because Hashem has no choice. Something else has to happen to someone else. So you're an unintended consequence. You're, you're, you're uh, collateral damage. No such thing. So Shmuel died young only because Hashem had no other way to, to, to take Shaul away. Shaul to die. But it's in, yes. It says in the past, when name of Rabbi Yechon, the Maidr Siv, it says in Heshea, Alkein, Itzafti Ben Vim, Herak de Bimlefi, that I decreed, Chatzafti Ben Vim, I killed them, I took them away before their time. Not because of their sin. But my same loin them, it doesn't say because of their actions or their misdeeds. No, they were perfect. Their action didn't cause them to die young. I commanded it. Like Shmuel, who died early because Hashem commanded it so to allow Shaul to die, so allow David to take over. Not because he sinned, but not to hold back the kingdom of David. Rab Nachman and Rab Yitzchak were sitting and having a meal. Please say a So he says, I can't speak. You're not allowed to speak in the middle of a meal. Because if you open your mouth and you speak, instead of the food going down the esophagus, the food will go into the windpipe. And you'll choke. It's dangerous. You're going to swallow the food and you win by So, what, what did, what did Rav Nachman think? Rav Nachman thought that Torah protects you. You'll say Torah, Torah will protect you. So you have nothing to worry about. And Rabbi Yitzhak says, no. You're not allowed to rely on miracles. Yes, Torah protects a person, but you can't rely on miracles. You have to act in a natural way. Since you're, you're, you're endangering yourself, you're placing yourself, you're not allowed to place yourself in danger and say the Torah is going to save me. So therefore, I can't say, right in the middle of eating, I can't, I can't speak. Buzzard the sword, after they finished eating. 
So I'm a lady, Rabbi Yitzchak said, now I'll tell you the Vartoir. This is Rabbi Yechnan said, Yaakov Avinu Leimez. Yaakov didn't die, but he's alive. Dashi says he's alive forever, he never died. Yaakov never died. I'm a lady, said that Rabbi Yitzchak. What do you mean? How can you say that? It says clearly in the Torah, for nothing, softus of denaya. They, more, they, they eulogized him. They embalmed him. If he was alive. Take a live person and embalm him. <laughs> the Kavruk of Rai, they buried him. You, you bury a live person under the ground. How could you say he didn't die? I'm said Nope, he didn't die. They thought that he died. Now she says they thought that he died. It appeared like he died. They thought that he died. He looked. He looked dead. He was lying quiet, but really he was alive. He didn't die. He wasn't dead. And I derive this from a verse. Remember, it says in Jeremiah. Hashem promised the Jewish people, to you, the Jewish people, don't be afraid, my servant Yaakov, don't be afraid, I will help you from a distance, and your children will be shivya. So he mentions Yaakov, and he mentions Israel, and his, and his children, Yaakov and Israel, and their children, I will save you from the land of their captivity. So Makish, He's comparing Yaakov. He says, don't be afraid, Yaakov, my servant Yaakov. Don't be afraid, Israel, because I'm going to help you and your children, your offspring. So he's comparing, he's bringing the two, Yaakov and Israel, together with his children. Just like when Hashem will gather the Jewish people from the lands of their captivity, He's going to gather the living. Who is in captivity? You don't take a dead person into captivity. Who's taken into captivity? A living person, a live person. So just like Hashem will gather, will gather the live people and return them. So Afu, when Hashem promises Yaakov is going to restore him, also he's going to restore him. He's talking about Yaakov who's alive. Afu b'chayim. Like we find by the Exodus from Egypt, it says Vayari Yisrael's Yavagdelan. The rabbis say that that Yaakov was there, and Hashem showed him, showed him the Exodus of his children. So Yari Yisrael, he saw, he was alive, and he saw it with his own eyes. So we see that so the Torah is teaching us that Yaakov is alive. That just like the children are alive, Hashem will gather the living Jews from the land of the captivity to the land of Israel. So too, Hashem is telling Yaakov also, don't be afraid. I'm going to help you. So Yaakov is still alive. So what does that mean? What does that mean Yaakov is still alive? You can't say it means that the soul lives on forever. It's not only true of Yaakov. Avram also is a tzaddik. And Yitzchak also is a tzaddik. And not only a tzaddik, every soul. Energy can't die. Modern physics. Energy doesn't die. 
your personality, your character doesn't die. When I look at your body, I'm not seeing you, I'm seeing you, the personality, the character. The body is see-through, it's transparent, it's just a, a container. But you, your soul, your soul doesn't burn, your soul doesn't die in a crash, God forbid, your soul doesn't die. Your personality, your character, your soul continues to live. So what's unique? Yeah. So what's unique about Yaakov? What do you mean Yaakov doesn't die? It can't mean that the soul lives on eternally. That's true of every soul. Every, every Jewish cemetery is called the Beit Almond. It's in a house of eternal rest. The soul goes on to its eternal resting place. The soul continues to live. So what's unique about Yaakov? It says Yaakov didn't die. Because Yaakov is physically alive, not just spiritually alive. He's saying that actually says he didn't die. It, it looked like he died. But he's physically still alive. Hmm. What does that mean? What does that mean? He's saying Kaddish. <laughs> they buried him, they eulogized him, they, they embalmed him. What do you mean he didn't die? What, what, your eyes are playing tricks on us. I mean, how do you take a living person and bury him under the ground? You're suffocating him? What do you mean he didn't die? So you might explain, because what's the idea of death? What does it mean you die? What does it mean a person dies? Why does a person die? Because every person has a mission they need to accomplish. When mission complete, the last day of your life, Hashem gave us exactly the amount of days and energy that we need to fulfill our mission. Every day is a piece of the puzzle. The last day of your life is the last piece of the puzzle. And now you have the whole picture. The whole is greater than the sum total of its parts, and the soul is boosted and elevated to a whole new dimension of, of life. So your mission comes to an end. That means you died. Avram finished his mission. Bye. Yitzhak finished his mission. Moved on. Went to the higher dimension of life. What's Yaakov's mission? Yaakov's mission is... How do you know what a person's mission is alive? What his whole life is all about? The essence of his life right before he passes away. What did Yaakov... The Torah tells us what Yaakov did right before he passes away. The Torah doesn't tell us about anyone else what they did before they passed away. Only Yaakov, Avinu, and Moshe Rabbeinu. What did Yaakov do before he passed away? He wanted to reveal to his children when Mashiach will come. This tells me what Yaakov's essence is all about. His whole essence was about bringing Mashiach. And when the Shekhinah left him, he thought that his children are not on the same page as him. He says, maybe you don't believe in Hashem like I do. And what did they say? The first time they said, Shema Yisrael, listen Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. We're in the same page as you. We all believe in the same God. And Yaakov responded, Baruch Shem Kavayin, which is the reason we say it. Baruch Shem, together with the Shema Yisrael. What does Shema Yisrael mean? Rashi says, what does Shema Yisrael mean? Hear, O Israel, God who is presently our God. Exclusively, Mashiach will come, will be the universal God. The whole world will accept Hashem's sovereignty. In other words, Mashiach. So when the Yaakov heard that the Jewish people, his children, are on the same page as him, they're continuing his mission. So Yaakov didn't die. How can you say Yaakov died? His mission is still in the middle of his mission. Yaakov didn't finish his mission. Die means his mission concluded. His mission is not concluded. His mission is to bring Mashiach. Didn't happen. So as long as Mashiach didn't come, as long as his children are continuing his vision and his dream and are actualizing his dream in the physical world, and he's still alive, he's still in the middle. Yaakov remains. Physically alive, not just in heaven. He's still in the middle of his job. He's still in the middle of his mission of bringing and making it happen as long as we, only as long as we're 
As we're Shema Yisrael, we're keeping it alive. We're keeping his vision alive. We're motivated and driven by the same thing that motivated and drove him. Shema Yisrael, we have the same urgency that he had. Shema Yisrael, Hashem gives him a thought. He says, Now I'm not dying, I'm alive, I'm continuing to live, my life continues, my work continues, we're in the middle until we get the job done. Whoever said would have an omission. Rachel was so beautiful, so gorgeous. Yeah. She was like the, you know, the Marilyn Monroe of uh, her days. <laughs> so, so, she was, she was a Zayna. She was a prostitute. Rachel, so, a prostitute, the Canaanite prostitute. So, so, whoever said her name would immediately evoke such such feelings of lust. <laughs> he would immediately have an omission. <laughs> I say it, and lo yichpatli, that doesn't do anything to me. Amaleki kamine b'yoydo makira. Those who knew her, you never met Rachav. <laughs> I'm not saying just saying her name. Those who knew her, and then they mentioned her name and envisioned her. This is the language that Alter Rebbe uses in the, in the introduction to the Tanya. This is the exact expression he uses. But the Chassidim who go into Yechidus, I know you well, I know you intimately. Those who know her, who knew her intimately. It's, it's, again, it's kind of written like this, by the way. You know, he does it like this. It says, Yudoy Makira means those who were intimate with her. Yudoy yeah. means like a biblical knowledge. And that's, they were intimate with her. Makira and those who saw her. Even those Parted ways. Give me a blessing. After all his questions that he had, at a very productive, fruitful, uh, fruitful uh, session and meal together. I'll give you an example. A person was traveling in the desert. He was hungry, and tired, and thirsty. And he found a tree, and the fruits were sweet. And delicious, and he can satiate his hunger. and sitting in a shade was so beautiful. He can he can relax and enjoy. And the amas hamayim, and there's a brook, a that, that, that that's flowing right underneath him, that he can he can satiate his thirst. he ate from the fruits. And he drank from its waters. And he enjoyed the shade, relaxed in the shade. And when it's taking time to, to leave, Omar, that person said, Tree, tree. How can I bless you? If I'm going to bless you, that your fruit should be sweet. It's already fulfilled. You don't need a blessing, it's done. That your shade is pleasant and beautiful. It's already pleasant. You should have of a brook of water flowing underneath you. It's already happening. Ella, what's my blessing to you? It should be my, the will of Hashem. That all the plantings, the planting for you, should be like you. This is the, the ultimate blessing that you give to a person. 
Ilan, Ilan, what can I bless you that your children should be like you? So, so Rabbi Yitzchak concluded that Rav Nachman, Afata, that's the, you're the, that was the parable. So you too, Afata, how can I bless you? Im if bless you in Taira, had a Taira. You have Taira. Im wealth. You also have Aisha. Rav Nachman was very wealthy. He was the son-in-law of the Rej Galusa, the head of the Jewish people right. in Babylonia. Who, uh, he was a son-in-law of Rabbi Baravua, and he married Yalta, his daughter. So it seems like he, he, he inherited his wealth from his father-in-law. Hmm. Also, maybe he inherited from his father as well. Probably the rich marry the rich. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he was wealthier from both sides. So you already have wealth. In Bebanim, you have children. My blessing to you is your children should be like you. Everyone have a wonderful day.